Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of Lay Film. This week we are going to review a South Korean film, Memories of Murder, by director Bong Joon-ho. And this is a film that is loosely based on a true story of Korea's first serial killer in 1986, where detectives Park, Cho, and Seo are tasked to solve a series of gruesome murders that are seemingly interconnected. Tyler, this was your this was the movie that you picked for the week. So, what was uh, tell us a little bit about that? Well, um, I've I've always heard really good things about Memories of Murder, and and Bong Joon Ho, of course. Um, I've actually only I had only seen Parasite before this, and I loved Parasite. And I've had multiple people tell me that Memories of Murder is his best film. So, just that I was like, oh, I have to see it. Um, so that's pretty much why I chose it. Um, the film as a whole, though, I I thought it was great. Um, I like Parasite a little bit more. But, uh, yeah, I just love Bong Joon-ho's style, his, the way he shoots his films, and how he can incorporate comedy into stories that are so, that, you know, normally you wouldn't be able to, it's hard to incorporate comedy into something like this. And he can do it really well. Um, and always just like playing, he's, he's really good at like playing with the genre and expectations. So yeah, I really enjoyed watching this film. Yeah, this, this movie holds like a special place in my heart. Um, I, I think that this is the first movie that I've seen of Bong Joon-ho's and this was like probably four years ago that I first watched it. And I, I just always saw it at, like, the top of, like, um, movie lists, like, when it came to, like, foreign movies and, like, also, like, suspense and, like, mysteries and, and drama, for sure. Um, so I wanted to check it out, and Tyler, like, you mentioned how he has, like, a very good way of, like, messing with, or, or I guess just experimenting with genre. Like, that was one of the first things that... I remember like truly standing out because even after um, watching this movie uh, I watched the host and it's the same exact thing like there's so many like it's this perfect balance of drama and comedy and and it's not even like it shifts like it's just sprinkled in there like throughout even even dramatic scenes like there's always <laughs> little bits of comedy and it was, I remember it was like the first time that I'd ever seen that sort of thing done before that I could actually remember. And it's so endearing because it, it's very reminiscent of how our own lives can be. Like, even if something tragic happens to you, like there, like there might even be like some sort of like comedy inside of there. It's not like it's one or the other. It's like, it's all just a balance. And this movie, like, blew me away with its cinematography and just with the tone and the pacing. And, I don't know, I, I, this is my second time watching it, and I had forgotten so many parts that were crucial to the actual story and just the way it all flows. And just so many brilliant smaller moments, too. And... It really goes to show you the power of like what an ensemble piece can do in terms of like storytelling. Like you get so much depth into each and every single one of them. 
they have they all have such unique personalities even like the chief who isn't even in the movie that much um I, and even like even the way it built the world itself of the small village compared to um the detective i think it's detective so detective mm-hmm. sue mm-hmm. who comes from seoul out to this very remote village like you just see so many dynamics and it's just it's incredibly vibrant and immersive and that's how i feel about it the second time going through uh i had seen this recently memories of murder and uh i think the first film i've seen by ho has to be the host back in like junior high on the sci-fi channel but uh, this movie really cemented it as my favorite of the ones I've seen by him. I still need to see Mother, I believe. Mother's great. But uh, the big takeaway from this film and all his films that I've seen is there's always his ability to make a central theme or motif or point. Not a point, but a central event. How he builds that up so amazingly. How well he builds that up in every film, I think. Parasite has to do with the sense of smell, and the host, it's uh, the uh, Sisters Olympic career. That has an exceptional payoff. Like, yeah, I was like in junior high, like, why am I getting teary-eyed for the scene that has like all these stakes in it? And in this movie, it's the best of his films. It has something built up so successfully that when it happens, it just, the film wouldn't be the same film without just that one scene. I don't want to reveal yet because it's spoilers, but it's just the power of it makes the film. And I love his ability to do that. That's why Memories of Murder is my favorite film by him of the ones I've seen. <clears throat> yeah, um, I've seen Memories of Murder like at least six or seven times before this, and it's actually been like maybe a couple of years since I've seen it. But I have to agree that... Um, it is one of Bong Joon-ho's like best works. I think to me, maybe it's my second or third favorite. I can't quite put it number one. Um, I think I really loved Parasite and how that worked for um, like our time, our present day. Um, but Memories of Murder, man, I don't know. I, I see it as like more like a, a Korean Three Stooges type of comedy, at least within the first like hour of the film before um, it transitions into much more like darker and serious territory but um, it is so like beautifully put together just the way he directs um, the three detectives and how they're trying to solve the crimes and just when they come together on screen for like a certain chase scene that happens and probably around like the third act of the movie Mm -hmm. um, just just the immaculate filmmaking where it comes the camera comes together and you see the three of them come on screen in such in sync it's like a dance like i don't know how he does it it's just oh man he knows what he's doing and this is his second feature i believe um yeah uh, i really love serial killer drama and he just subverts some of the the tropes that one would do for these kind of movies. Like, um, none of the characters are heroes. Um, yeah, this film is pretty, I think, prominent in showing, like, police brutality and, like, corruption. And the people that are against that and trying to uncover the truth. And, yeah, they're in the whole movie, they're trying to uncover the truth for to find this serial killer. But um, this film is so much more layered than that. There are so many um, themes that it touches upon. Um, yeah, just like the, the classism. Even, the classism aspect is still uh, relevant in this film. Like uh, I think Bong Joon-ho, he likes to do that in his films. I don't know if it's purposeful or not, but it's just something that I l- always liked. Um, especially like us following Detective Par- uh, Park. And his situation, how he confides in his wife about these killings and um, and she giving him advice and suggestions on what to do. And it's just like, dang, this is what, this is how a detective, like, goes about solving his case. Like, 
Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, it just shows, like, dang. You can tell, like, these guys aren't, like, the most well-educated and being able to perform this job. Um, so, yeah, I think that's my, I think, initial impressions. Nice. I feel like this is one of those movies where it's like, if we don't go into spoilers soon, like we don't have much else to talk about. Right. I like the, uh, it's not directly spoilers, but I think Richie mentioned it with the uh, fractured Korea. It's not often. I think his film, well, I haven't seen enough, obviously, but I love his films touch on the themes of the split between the two Koreas and all that, especially I think Memories of Murder is set somewhat recently after the divide happened. And it's near the border between the two. It's very rural. There's even protests against the South Korean government. It's like it's very much painting the picture of like it's not a clear cut good and evil. Even though like one nation is I would say far more guilty of atrocities, especially in modern times. But he's still presenting it from the individual level of these people are on the border town. There's tons of people who have had family, like, just split. Like, if California was cut down the middle tomorrow, some of us would have relatives on the opposite sides and, like, we're forbidden from ever reaching out to them or going to see them again or even traveling freely between the two. That has a significant impact on the people as well as the militarized aspect of the society in the border town with the... You see all the blackout drills and all this other... He's touching on the themes of the war without being explicit and it's not even the central point of the film just like the classism stuff isn't i really appreciate that he's able to just integrate that so seamlessly yeah um i think that he does a really good job of exploring those aspects especially the militant part and then still providing comedy to it um like there are there is like a particular scene with like some teenage girls and they're learning, I guess, how to carry away um, a body on a stretcher. And just even then he like finds a way to kind of... Throw uh, a peace sign inside. Yeah, yeah just, just little moments is where like the film, I guess, doesn't want to drown you too much in its sorrow at times. And it kind of gives, wants to give you some room to breathe and just to... I don't know, have some light in the meantime, because it is a very dark subject. Um, what happens to these women was a, a horrible thing. And yes, these these men, the, the detectives do have good intentions, but the way they go about trying to solve this crime is just um, a crime in itself. Um, they have They make unethical and immoral like choices. Um, yes, perhaps to solve what's going on with all these murders and to actually prevent them from happening. Um, but I don't know. I, I can't say that their actions were justified. Um, I think watching this, you know, several times over, you kind of start to focus on other elements of the story. And I think that this time I, I'm more focused on just, I don't know how terrible, like, the detectives were <laughs> yeah. just like yeah. how incompetent they were and just oh man even the chief himself whenever someone suggests an idea he just runs with it he's like all right well it's like we know, have nothing else like <laughs> yeah if there was um i don't know like oh he um i forgot which he even like when they think they found him uh, Sal or Sal, I think he says, he's not the murderer or whatever, and he's like, well, the reporters are already here, so... Right, yeah. so he doesn't know what to say. <laughs> yeah. he, he just kind of runs with, like, everyone's idea, like, I don't know, it could be this thing, let's go after it, you know? Like, um, the whole bit with a song and how that could have been relevant to the crimes was one aspect that could have been true, at least for him, and then there's another bit where they're talking about um, hair 
Yes. In the hairless scene, so he, he kind of, I guess, runs with that. Like, it's just like, dang, you give money to these guys to yeah. go look for that? Like, that that's why. It's just a waste of time, man. That's like the strongest example of saying where they, they, they put the humor with, like, the extremely dark. Yeah. Where it's like, they're, they're sitting there objectively looking at the reports, like, okay, there's no pubic hair left on the rape victims, rape and murder victims. It's like, it's a very dark subject. And then the guy comes over and is like, Chief, let's just round up everyone who's bald down there. Just very, <laughs> Next like, scene, he cuts and he's just in like the sauna, yeah. like looking at every guy. They just just like, that's stupid. And like, and I'll do my own investigating that. And he's just in the sauna looking at everyone. <laughs> the best part about that, though, is that like, even at like, so that was like before. And then they come in with like a new alternative to like look for things. And he's like, like when they're finally alone again, he's like, yeah, so... What do you think about that theory? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, they have like a promising lead. It's like a, some kind of connection between all the murders and like, yeah, go ahead. And oh yeah, investigate with the map that. and the and the uh, and the song being played yeah. on yeah. rainy nights. Yeah. And then he just weaves in after they leave to go do what they're supposed to be doing their job. I'm telling you, Chief Baldies. <laughs> and yeah, it's like it's 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 fully yeah, it's humorous, but like in the context, it's like it's very dark at the same time. Right. <laughs> but yeah that's why i like bong joon ho because he can like there's so, so many levels like he can be it can be comedic then serious like he, he just touches on so many things classism like even the friendship between uh park and his original detective and Chow, then, i believe detective Cho. yeah mm-hmm. and then he kind of grows a relationship with uh sal the the, the guy from seoul I don't know. There's just always so many things to uh, unpack from his movies that I like. There's so much growth in them. Like you could just see them trans or transforming. I love the motif of the shaman's eyes that Detective Park has. Yes. That is the best part of the film for me. It's like, look at me. You can see who's I guilty. No, I just yeah. know. <laughs> and there's so many beats where it end, happens uh, too. Yeah. I don't want to bring it up yet. When he's talking about his eyes, <laughs> yeah, he's yeah. like, "Fuck!" <laughs> God damn it, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I think shit. I don't know this time. <laughs> well, should we uh, just go into spoilers now? Sure. Yeah. So um, I think we should all give our ratings. Um, sure. And just kind of our closing thoughts. Um, yeah, I really, really love this film. Um, there's just so much to unpack with it. It's just very well balanced in its storytelling and in the iconography as well. Bong Joon-ho knows how to go back to certain images or certain events or even jokes in the film and he comes back to them. Um, just the writing is brilliant. And it's a very, uh, it seems like an ad- adventure film. Like I feel like if that film were to come out, it just would make a good amount of money. Like it's, it brings something different to that kind of genre where we kind of get films like before it, like Seven, was just really dark and brooding, where mm-hmm. this one does a pretty good job of balancing that. And for me, I would probably give it um, a 4.5 out of 5. I think it's a little slower in the beginning, and it's kind of hard to tell where it's going, and maybe the, the blend of the genres could be a bit um, jarring at first, but... I think the second half of the film is so strong and how um, it ends each character's arcs. It's just, yeah, it was great. Yeah, I'd probably give it a f- <clears throat> like a four, four, four and a half out of five. Uh, I agree it was a little slow, but I didn't mind. I didn't mind that at all. Um, another thing, too, is just like all the characters are so great in the movie. And I think that's just another thing that Bong Joon-ho is great at, is just writing these characters and being able to bring out the best in each actor. Um, yeah, and it's just it was just, like, a fun watch. Like, it was just, yeah, it was a great movie to watch. So I definitely, I'd suggest in, anybody to watch this movie. I think that... Um the first time around that I watched this movie, I, I this was like when I was first like really getting into to watching uh, movies, like a lot more of them. 
I think that this was probably one of the greatest movies I had ever seen at that point in time. So, and I think back then I would have given it a five easily because it just completely changed my view on like filmmaking and like what a story is capable of like making you feel and making you think about. Now, since then I've watched a lot more movies and I think that now I would probably give it a four and a half as well. And the reason for that is because I just think that, yeah, I think that in the beginning as well, it seemed like I wasn't too sure on what it was trying to tell me because here you're seeing these people who are supposed to be protecting others and you're just, and they're just completely inept at what it is that they're doing. And I don't necessarily fault the movie for that, but I think that it seemed like the tone could have used a bit more uh, confidence in. Like, if it was really trying to do that, it should have gone for that, as opposed to kind of being a little bit fickle with it at times. That's probably my one, like, critique on it, though, compared to everything else. Like, the images were insane. The sound was an incredible editing, pacing, like, especially during like uh, an hour into it, like there's a complete tone shift where it feels like a completely different movie. And then like everything that was like being planted in the first part of the movie, you're finally starting to see it like sprout after it's like rooted itself in the earth. And you're seeing how everything is like fusing together. And the characters are just so like, even though they're, <laughs> they're not good people, like you just have so much like, you can tell that their intentions are pure. And I just think that that's... There's something so beautiful about it. And the, the ending, oh my god. When I first saw... Even the second time around, gets me every single time. And just the way... I mean, Pat, you brought up a really good point. Like, that is probably one of Bong Joon-ho's most incredible aspects to him is just the way that he's able to plant these small tiny seeds and then by the time you get to the end it's just this huge huge payoff of just all this time and effort put into it and it's so well thought out and compared to movies like uh, The Host, Parasite, and uh, Mother, I haven't seen Snowpiercer all the way through yet and I think that there might be another one. Oh, Okja, I think. Yeah. I haven't seen that one either, but I have to say that this is probably above Parasite for me just because of the impact that it had on me at the time, as well as a lot of the commentary that we'll talk about in a bit. What do you think, Pat? For me, it's a four and a half out of five, and it's just a, it's a must-watch if you like crime thrillers or, you're, again, if you want to see, if you're a writer or a scriptwriter, you want you have an appreciation for that again like it's just so masterfully set up and paid off i that's yeah i just love the film all right so now we're gonna head into spoiler terry so if you haven't seen the movie which you should you can also try to find this film i think it's on um what streaming <laughs> Uh, I don't <laughs> want to say what streaming platform I use because I, it may not be legit this time. <laughs> no, it's it's not available on uh, streaming platforms at the moment. Uh, oh god, I had it up. But you can buy the Blu-ray to Memories of Murder on Amazon. Yeah, yeah, it's on Amazon. Yeah. <laughs> See, my my copy fell off a truck. Yeah, uh, mine fell into my lap. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Tyler, yours. Uh, yeah, thanks, Pat. Out the window. <laughs> <laughs> Pat let you borrow his coffee. <laughs> I watched yeah. it at his house. <laughs> borrow it from one of us or one of your friends. But anyway, <laughs> spoiler ter spoiler talk begins now.
Look in my eyes. <laughs> Look in my eyes. <laughs> I want to jump right to that. I can't help it. That, yeah, that was like... Which one? Wait, which... The final time. The final, the final time. Yeah. I just want to say, like, I not want to spoil the read, I just want to say that line is really all. <laughs> we can go through the story. <laughs> but goddamn, that part, that line, everything about that was, yeah, the epitome of the movie. The yeah. climax, the absolute peak right. for me. Just that entire conversation where he's like, what did he look like? She's like, she's ordinary. Yeah. And then just looks into the camera. It, it could be you. Like, yeah. oh my God, like what? <laughs> yeah. I think just that recurring thing from the beginning where he talks about how he can, he can read people. If he just gives them one look, he'll know. Just that question that po- was posed to him in the very beginning with the... The two, um, the two guys where one of them raped his sister. Mm-hmm. And so they got into a scuffle. And so the person that asks him, who do you think was the rapist? We don't even get an answer to that. Yeah. Which because, one's the rapist? Which one's the brother? Yeah, because you can't just look at someone and just know. Um, so just the way that um, came back in the ending where he asked the, the little girl uh, what he looked like. And it's just... It just shows how he can't read people. He can't look at a person and just know. Um, and the fact that he was wearing glasses, it just really signifies that. Like he is, he does not have twenty twenty vision in um, in life, and not even when he was a detective. And so the fact that like I can just understand and feel like, dang how I failed at that time, you know, 20 years ago as a detective. And I can, because that little girl that he's looking at could have been one of those victims, you know. Mm-hmm. And it did happen to one of those girls. And, man, I thought that was very powerful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think there's so many emotional beats in this one that really captivated me. Like, for instance, there's a, when Detective So goes to the school to, to interview, or I just, I guess just to get more information on, um, where the, where the students had come up with the story about the outhouse and how there was like a person like around there. Um, and then they're doing like the evacuation drill and then the little girl comes down the chute and then they're both having an interaction. He's like, oh, well, what's wrong? She's like, oh, there's a pebble in there. Like, I got messed up. And he's like, here, I'll put it like a Band-Aid on you. And then, like, we'll talk more about the outhouse thing. And then, like, later on in the movie, where you could just see there's such a shift in Detective Park and Detective So. Like, Detective So lets his... Like, he's, he's coming from, from, like, a more rigid form of order. To where it's like, no, you have to like do things a certain way. Like you can't, you can't be, I guess, not, I mean, you have to be conscientious about everything. Whereas with Detective Park, he's like, no, I feel this a certain way. I'm right. Like, I'm going to get this just to like get rid of it. Like, cause, and that's how pure his intentions are. Cause at heart, he just wants it to go away and he's willing to do whatever it is to get rid of the problem, even though that's not a good solution whatsoever. But anyways, back to this moment between Detective So and uh, the killer's like last victim in the movie that we see. Um, just the moment where he goes to the crime scene, Detective Park is just walking, not even making eye contact and just smoking. Cause he's like, damn it, we're wrong again. Or something, you know, it happened again. And then Detective Park goes up sees the band-aid that he put on her and is like, oh, I just talked with her a few days ago and I wasn't able to save her life. Like, it just hit me so hard. Like, of just that feeling of, like, helplessness of, like, this monster just preying upon people and there's nothing, like, despite your best efforts, you're still not one step closer to making them to just getting rid of them and like solving the problem. 
The music, oh my god, the music! <laughs> Just so many important beats in it. It really humanizes everything. Yeah, I like the, the inverse, how Detective Park and So are like inverses at the start. And then I think Park Park becomes more reserved or more... He leans towards So's way of like, there's logic and facts. The facts don't lie, the logic doesn't lie. You can't try to browbeat people or the people lie and all that. But the facts and knowledge and logic is concrete. And uh, with the final victim, that's like the final point for Detective So, where he's full, like, yeah, he's opening the suspected criminal's door. It's like almost like a montage cuts. It's like just skip time. Like the music cue hits. He's opening the guy's door. He's kicking him. Music cue hits. They're at the train tunnel. Like he's fully abandoned his modus, his MO to catching killers and criminals. Like, his, he's, I think he's essentially not a detective anymore. I mm -hmm. think that's his, the end of his career. Mm -hmm. Where Park hasn't, he's, if anything, Park's become a better detective. Because of their relationship, where Detective So is, yeah, he's done. Especially, yeah, in the final scene with the final victim. And the fact alone that he came from, like, when Park was asking him, he's like, why did you come out to this really remote place in the beginning? Like, anyway... It's like, I wanted to solve this case. It's like, I wanted to find the killer and put a stop to them. And just seeing that boiling point of like the rage just completely overtake him that no matter what, what he's been taught to do and the tools that he has, nothing will be enough because there are no resources available to him. Like the fact alone that they have to send out the... Uh, the evidence to America to like get it analyzed and they have to wait like a few days and during that time somebody else dies mm -hmm. and here you have like your chief inspector like telling you like oh wait until the evidence comes and then things will be okay it's like don't worry like this like he's not going to do it um, it's just so frustrating like I can totally see why he would throw in the towel like that because he's like no not like this is the way the world is like, yeah. I'm not, even though I have these ideals, they're impossible to to achieve. Where Detective So is essentially the only tale during that period when they're waiting for evidence and they have to release the suspect. Even there's a line where it's like, why don't we have a full team on him? And he's like, no, all the, all the extra hands are going to suppress political mm -hmm. strife somewhere else. They're going to maintain the political status quo. So it's just you and you have to watch this guy. And then, yeah, that's another part of guilt lumped onto Detective So, where it's, yeah, he couldn't watch the guy 24-7. And even with this car breaking down, like, had they had more resources to have cars that actually work, <laughs> he could have caught him and no, tailed him. And then the perfect, like, even the bot, the blackout drills are, like, a perfect disguise for, like, it's a lot easier to just sneak across the town, sneak across public when every light in the city is turned off and everyone's closing their blinds. For the fear of being bombed, or just drills about how to prevent being bombed, that allows the killer to just free reign essentially of the streets. Yeah, that's the classism at work too. And then yeah, just the final. I love the detective parts line with the killer. Detective still is gone and retrieved him after finding the young girl's body. The ones that helped cue him into finding a solid lead about the killer. He uh, just goes and he's he's looking set to kill the guy in the train tracks, or in the train tunnel. Take the law into his own hand. And then Detective Park. That's the only, the only small gripe I could have about the film, as like, we don't see any of that for Detective Park. But it's just the film goes so fast right then, it's like less than a minute of music cues and all that, and it's just Detective So leaves the crime scene, parks there at the crime scene. Detective So goes and gets the criminal. Detective So brings him back to the train tunnel. And it's like 30 seconds, 40 seconds. Where it's like, we don't see Park go and retrieve the DNA results from the mail. So it's kind of like when he's getting ready to kill him and like at gunpoint telling the suspect to confess so he can kill him with mm -hmm. a clear conscience. And then the suspect does the whole like, is that what you want to hear? I killed him. Is that what you'd like to hear before you kill me? And then Detective Park runs in. I got the results. 
it's like what 60% accurate but not 100% match mm -hmm. so there's room for doubt and then uh, Detective Park does the great thing where he like tells him to look into his eyes like the he has the shaman's eyes look into, yeah. your, look into my eyes and on the first viewing like the music stings and all that and for some reason I was like is this gonna be like a bluff that causes the guy to like crumple like, is this all the shaman's eyes are for Detective Park? It's, like, just a big bluff of, like, don't bother lying to me. <laughs> I'm watching you. Look in my eyes, and I'll see that you're guilty. So he's hoping they break under that pressure. Because throughout the film, we see him. He doesn't have shaman's eyes, obviously. He can't answer right. which one's the brother, which one's the rapist. Which When they're in the chase scene that Richard referenced earlier, with the great framing and all that, the music stings, when we see, like, yeah, it's like extreme close-up on Detective Park's face as he steps into focus and the music swelling and then we see the red underwear of the guy <laughs> yeah. who's like tampering with the crime scene. It was like his moment of glory. Yeah. Yeah, no, yeah, Detective Park sees that <laughs> and he's <laughs> like, <laughs> he sees that's the guy. <laughs> but instead of saying like, that's the guy I saw his underwear, he says, go line up those 20 dudes real quick and I'll, then he just walks up and down the line of 20 dudes like <laughs> looking in their eyes like he's doing the shaman eyes and then he goes, he gives the cue to Detective Cho to like this is the guy. Detective Cho does a sweet drop kick. Drop kick. <laughs> and then Detective So, who like is skeptical, is like this guy's full of shit. He doesn't have no shaman eyes. He walks up and checks the underwear. Like, oh yeah, that is him. Somehow he must have known. Known. That's another great pit. Another great part for the director is like even when I when he, I figured either he's gonna like make the criminal crack under the pressure or he's just gonna lie to detective so if they did want to kill him because like he kind of established credibility with like the fake out about the catching the guy who was tampering with the crime evidence because he doesn't reveal the so that that's how he found out it was him he, he doesn't just read him by looking in their eyes but no, he just says, like, fuck, I don't know. <laughs> After, like, 30 seconds of just staring at each other and the camera's close, he's like, fuck, I can't tell. And it's a bit of the heart of darkness. Like, is evil written on people's faces? Especially at the start of the film where Detective Park operates on the grab me the gross sexual deviance from the town and will just put him under pressure and beat him in police custody until they confess to being the murderers. It's very much, they operate on the whole, like, oh, this guy's a scarred face. People don't like him. He must be guilty of, he must be a criminal. Where, yeah, it's revealed that the killer is actually, or the suspect, the primary suspect's like a soft-spoken, attractive man that, I think it's multiple scenes where, like, like, just women look through the window at him and, like, giggle. Or, like, he looks at them and they get embarrassed that they're caught watching and they keep walking on. Or, yeah, it's not the... Evil's not written on people's faces. And there's no certainty in... Yeah, in anything. So you guys have seen it a few times. I can't, like... I only saw the scene once, but like at the end, when uh, I think his name's like Quang Ho, the kid with the burnt face, mm -hmm. the witness, he, when he sees his picture, he says something about... Uh, he kind of starts, like, having an episode... Of saying like he was the one who like burned him or something. Do you guys know anything about that or remember that scene at all? I remember um, he was talking about the fire. He's like the fire, the flames were so hot. He's like the person who burned me. I think that he it might have like triggered some sort of incident in the past. I mean, of course, it incited that, but like I think because he was shown the eyes of the killer it like brought up the eyes of the person who burnt him like because like his mind is like i feel like with his character when he comes to one thought he automatically jumps to the one that is um that corresponds to it so he gets like distracted very easily and he like fully experiences his thoughts as he's recalling them like that's just the like he's a very feeling type of person and yeah, I'm not sure, like, even... Because I thought he had said that the guy in the picture, the suspect, was the one who did it to him. I thought that's what he said, but mm -hmm. I could have... Uh, he was just, yeah, making reference to the fire and how hot it was. Yeah. And like what you said, Kevin, he, he does tend to do that. Just he 
holds on to one thought and he carries on with it. Just like when he was in the interrogation room and they were interrogating him and kicking him and stuff. And then he's wanting to call his father. Mm-hmm. And then when someone walks down the stairs, he's like, oh, it's dad. But it's not even his dad at all. <laughs> it was somebody else. So yeah, like you said, he is dumbfounded in, in that regard. So Yeah, he clearly has like the mind of a child and all that. And the fact that like, they're like, yeah, you're ugly. Women call you ugly, so you want to kill them, right? And you're retarded and stuff, so you don't even know. Like, it's just like, they're just so matter of fact about these things. It's like very insensitive, but in a way, still kind of comedic to me in some ways. Yeah, because like he, he like goes along with it too. He's like, yeah, like women think I am disgusting. And then like, like he's even so like keen to like get along with the people who like beat him, like the, like the police officers, like, when they first bring him in and they're like torturing him, trying to get him to confess and rehearse like these scenes and stuff, um, like you cut away to another scene and then it comes back to them and then it's Park Cho and uh, is it Quang Ho? Or yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, like <laughs> like they're all three just eating together, watching, watching like TV. TV, and they're like laughing and stuff. It's like a super cop TV show. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's like a it's a commentary in and of itself. And then, like, all of a sudden, like, when when somebody comes in, they're like, all right, we have to go back to torturing now. And then, like, Quango is just, like, still, like, going... He's almost, like, going along for the ride, pretty much. Like, he, he, he doesn't necessarily know what's going on, but he's like, all right, I'm just gonna, like, go with this. <laughs> no, yeah, the film's saying a lot about police brutality and, like, cutting corners and all that other stuff. But they, at the start, Detective Park and all of them were trying to just get a confession out of anyone to make the crimes go away to ease the public's minds and all that yeah and then, uh, yeah I really like that the uh, primary suspect towards the end it's another commentary about like again the militarized culture and all that the conscription and all that because like I believe like the person who's committing the crimes is like a very methodical like disciplined approach to it so much so he's leaving barely any evidence and uh yeah i think the bodies were found tied in certain ways and all that and uh yeah i think the primary suspect that we're led to believe may be the most likely culprit there's like yeah there's photos on his desk of him and serving in his mandatory conscription and all the other stuff i think this is what happens when you militarize a generation and all that stuff like it's mandatory you go and learn how to do stuff that is required in the military you can empower people who may at their core not be good people and all that like you you're training a serial you could be trained a serial killer in how to subdue people how to tie people up how to remove evidence how to go by and notice and all that i got like a sense a strong sense in this film of all the commentary about the militarization of a society mm-hmm. Another thing too that um, that goes into like those themes as well is how the entire police precinct there's only one female officer, Officer Kwan, and I mean you kind of see like you, you're introduced to the idea of like order and like rigidity through Officer So, who comes from Seoul, and then you end up finding out that they've had a competent officer in their precinct the entire time. It's just she's not given a platform to have a voice because every single other officer just, like, demeans her and stuff. Like, for instance, um, when they're all out <laughs> at their after party where they were supposed to have caught, you know, officially announced to the public that they found the killer, and then it just blows up in their faces. Like, they're all out partying afterwards because, you know, they had already booked this this karaoke <laughs> spot, so of course they're gonna like go. Um, when Park and So get into an an argument, the chief like wakes up, barfs into like a bucket, and then tells like, was it Officer Kwan who was the one? No, no, no. Um, I don't know. He like tells like one of the uh, the waiters to like get it to get rid of it for him. Because, like, I don't know, they just have this weird sense towards all the women inside this village where they're very subservient. And even with Quan, like, when she comes into it, where she's like, oh, well, you know, Detective So's, like, theory about 
um, all the murders taking place like on rainy nights is true. And here's another piece as well. Like each night, like they play this certain song, like it's requested by someone. And I've already pulled out all the different like transcripts of it all. And yeah, it corresponds with all the dates. She's, so she's even like a step ahead of Detective, of Detective So, who is supposed to be like this, this um, high-ranking person compared to where he's at now. But for some reason, like, it, I feel like had they had listened to Quan a bit more, even in the beginning, or even given her, like, or asked for some of her insight, a lot of this could have been avoided. And I feel like the killer, I mean, at least in the, in the movie story, not in the actual case, in the movie story, the killer got away because of the complete ineptness of everyone like, yeah. the officers were the ones to blame, like, especially Dr., I mean, not Dr., but uh, Detective Park, who had they, had him and Cho not tortured everyone, and had word not, like, had they not done that, people in the village would have actually trusted them more. Had they been a bit more level-headed, um, they're, they're the only eyewitness of the account wouldn't have accidentally gotten himself killed because he was scared of them, like, running away from them. And, like, people would actually take them seriously. Like, even in the first uh, scene where they're, like, at a crime scene. And then there's a footprint. Like, an actual dry footprint. Because in the movies, I mean, like, later on, the footprints always get muddied up from the rain. And then you just have this person on the tractor just completely run it over <laughs> as they're telling them to stop. It's because nobody respects the law around there. Because why should they? They don't do anything. They can't solve anything. They, all they do is just terrorize the people of the community. So what do you expect, you know? Yeah, and then he puts the fake put footprint there at the beginning. <laughs> just like, yeah, they're totally corrupt. Like almost, Did, almost comedically corrupt. Yeah, like it was almost like the way he... Bong Joon-ho made it, it was like... It didn't feel as wrong as it should have. I felt like you no know? way, no way they were doing this right. <laughs> yeah. Like oh, he's just hanging. Like so, there was this, yeah. The second guy, he's like hanging him upside down. <laughs> then, like the chief just comes in, he's like, "Were you fucking hanging the guy?" <laughs> like, like he doesn't even like punish him. He's just like, "What the fuck?" Like yeah, that yeah, psychological torture. Or you even take the clothes away. You can't sit down. You yeah. can squat. Detective Park, when he sees the like that guy helping out the girl on like the little levee, mm -hmm. oh yeah, he's like so genuine. Like, are you okay? <laughs> Just the the drop kick of the century. That was so good. It turns into WWE. There's a lot of a lot of good drop kicks in this movie. <laughs> like. I need, a, I need like a montage of all the drop kicks. <laughs> like just a broad day, a bit of the, a bit into the how the police operate out there. It's like broad daylight right next to the road, and like <laughs> like are rapes that common in the that region or something? But like the detective, the detective Park just gets out, and he sees this lady running away from this guy. And he's like, "No, I'm trying to help," and then he just runs up and drop kicks him <laughs> down a hill. Yeah, I wonder how they rehearsed that. Because you, you, you already know, like, an American film would just cut the shit out of a dead drop kick itself. Cut it out in the editing room. And, no, like, that, it looked legit. It like, looked legit, right? <laughs> it was, like, falling, like, clumsily, like, falling down. <laughs> it's not a Liam Neeson hop on that fence and there's 12 cuts. Yeah. <laughs> five seconds. This is, all one, this is all one long take. <laughs> yeah, everything felt so authentic in it. Yeah. Like, it's... <laughs> And then uh, I, another thing that the director Ho was able to masterfully do was, uh, I think, Detective Cho? He's like the muscle of the group. Yeah. yeah. He has some sweet drop kicks as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, a big thing for me is, like, I had an emotional reaction to a scene that's built up with him. But on, upon reflecting on it, like, when, when they have uh, the first interrogation going on he just comes in his introduction to the film is he comes in he kicks the suspect over he's like he's like stomping him out yeah he's like tied to a chair he comes over and stomps him kicks him when he's on the ground a couple times and then he immediately puts like a booty on his foot like made for cleaning houses so he doesn't leave boot marks on the suspect and throughout the film we see him just doing like 
horrible stuff. Like he's at a political rally. He's like grabbing a young girl student by her hair. He's dragging her away from the police line. He just throws her down and stomps her. And that's all we see. He gets in a random bar fight. And again, he just assaults women. Like that's his opening move is like to grab a woman by the hair. And I think he throws her down or hits her head on something. And throughout the film, he's doing horrible stuff like that. But the director's... <laughs> he gets the nail in his leg. Yeah, he gets, he gets <laughs> hurt in a scuffle. And he gets tetanus. And he loses that same foot he's been using throughout the film to stomp people. And it's just like they don't have insurance. They don't have... They didn't even have access to, like, the basic va vaccines that prevent you from getting tetanus. And, he, yeah, he's just, he has to lose his foot. And maybe it's because of the emotional connection we have to park... Because we see Detective Park has to sign off on his operation to just basically handicap his friend for life. Yeah, because he doesn't have any other family members. Yeah, because they didn't have access to the medicines or the the resources. And then uh, after that, we see a shot of Detective Park looking sad, looking at his friend's shoe with the same foot cover on it that he used to cover up the boot marks on victims. And it's very much... It gets a strong emotional reaction out of yeah. you, but it's like... It's one of those like, ones why like, do I feel like yeah, I, I shouldn't feel be feeling so bad. <laughs> He's like a horrible person, but I don't, it's just, the ability to elicit that response is so strong. Maybe it's because it is a film, even though it's based on real events, but it feels so removed because it is a film. I feel like it all goes back to the intention, though, because it's like, why did Detective Cho get in that bar fight? Because he was pissed off at the fact that they couldn't hold their, their prime suspect. Because they didn't have any evidence. Like, he, just as much as, like, So and Park and the rest of the precinct and everyone in the community, like, he just wants it to end. So what does he do? He lets his emotions take hold of him, even though the chief is trying to, like, prevent any more torture from happening. That way they can, you know, have some sort of, like, holding in the community where people do respect them and they can help them. But... Detective Cho, like, lets it get the better of him and, you know, ends up drop-kicking, like, <laughs> and, um, and then after that, with the chief, he basically, like, completely strips him of everything. He's like, no, like, don't ever go in the interrogation room again, like, you're, you're done. And then he just beats him and kicks him down those stony steps, and then yeah. when his head hit the stone wall, I was like, that is it, that is where he is done. And then in that bar scene, he's just sitting alone drinking, even though, like, Park and So are, like, trying to find um, the only eyewitness to the account. Like, he, he can't even, like, talk, because he's just so... He just feels, like, so much sense of loss. Yeah, he's been kicked off the case, mainly because they've been abusing suspects they've been holding. So there's a big outcry for, like, yeah, you can't hold this guy anymore, then what do you already have? Mm-hmm. Yeah, his final thing, yeah. It's almost like the boy who cried wolf. Like, they do it so many times to the point where when they finally do uh, come into the thing that they've been talking about the entire time, nobody takes them seriously. And they had such good correlating evidence to the prime suspect in the movie. But because of, like, the lack of resources or any sort of support that frustration builds up within all of them. And then Cho gets in that fatal bar fight and then <laughs> loses his, his basic like means of like everything that he's known in his entire police career. It's just gone. And then that's like the last we see of him. Mm -hmm. For me, I, I always thought back on that scene with the song and how it correlates with um, the murders happening during a rainy day. I'm just thinking to myself like, well, now that I'm watching this again, I, I do ask myself like, well, isn't that just circumstantial? You can't just say just because the song plays on a rainy day and the murder happens and the person requested it, it means that they're the killer. I'm not sure if that's like good enough evidence, you know. You put it to trial and you still can't say that this guy did it. I mean like, yeah, he has soft hands, but okay. I mean, I'm sure a man with rough hands will be able to tie nice knots too, right? I don't know. But, yeah, just thinking back, like, dang, you know, he, I don't think he's the killer, but, I mean, 
I think everyone's wrong. I think the whole movie is about how everyone's ideas just led to nowhere, really. Or it didn't really have any weight to them. And I think that's what's sad about it. Yeah, they didn't have the resources to do it. They didn't have the resources to capitalize on those ideas to make sure that they're actually, you know, either dead ends or something substantial. Uh, yeah, and I do agree, Kevin, what you said about how the women in the film are kind of more like passive in their roles and how um, Detective, uh, you said Quan, right? Is that her name? Yeah, Officer Quan. Yeah, Officer Quan. She's just kind of more, she does like, I guess, all like the paperwork and just, you know, <laughs> she just gets passed on like all this extra stuff so that the detectives can go chase some dumb lead, you know, and just kind of fumble on into it. Just like, man, they're like, they remind me of like a couple of pinballs just falling over. Oh man, because they're just so whimsical. I think I just really, I really enjoy that aspect. Just mm -hmm. taking a old, age old concept of like the three stooges and just put them in that situation and kind of watch them fail after time after time after time yeah i want to say in real life it's like the zodiac killing as well or in the mm -hmm. film they make it more explicit that the suspect in the end that they build them up to being mm -hmm. most likely the culprit but i want to say in reality it's very more open-ended mm -hmm. but you gotta have drama and all that yeah i think they said the uh the real killer he was actually in jail already for like other crimes for yeah for like a a rape murder crime and then he confessed to it like 30 years later and they had like forensic evidence as well really yeah yeah like the uh the end with the he just looked like a normal guy it was a young girl describing i think the film opens with detective park going to the scene of a body it's in the same spot, I think, yeah. yeah. For some, Yeah, he's just driving by that region. And for some reason, it feels like a compulsion to go and look under there, see if there's still bodies being left there. And there isn't, but there's a young girl there who makes the remark. Oh, some other guy was coming by recently. He said he left something there. And then he goes he goes back to being a detective a bit. And it's like, oh, what do you look like? It's, oh, she, he just looked ordinary. And it's a bit of the, yeah, the... I really appreciate the theme of, like, it's not like Hollywood movies or like the bad guy has a big old jagged scar on his face. Mm -hmm. He's not Red Skull. He's not, yeah, he's not the reincarnation of Hitler. It could be someone you think is a good dude or looks nice. I love the cinematography in that last scene. It was so like warm. Mm -hmm. Those are like my favorite shots. Those like slider shots, like... With like the wheat, like it looked like wheat or whatever yeah. in the foreground. <sighs> just gorgeous. And yeah, it contrasts with the the whole time they're pursuing the murderer. It's like the rainy season, right? It's always yes. overcast, always rainy, mm -hmm. a bit blue. Yeah, you juxtapose that with the uh, the shots in the beginning of the movie and at the end because of the 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 whole field. Is a field full of flowers? I believe. Is it flowers or? I think it's wheat. Yeah, I think wheat. it's, oh, it's, wheat. it's yeah. like a wheat yeah. field or like a rice paddy field. Um, I just like that in the beginning we see a kid collecting um, like bugs or mm -hmm. insects or something and he's keeping them in a jar and then he's just like mocking and uh, impersonating uh, Detective Park and it's just like, I don't know, just that scene by itself I just really enjoyed. It's yeah. just really funny and comedic. <laughs> it's almost, it's almost, it had like a cyclical nature to it because like I interpreted the little kid as like imbuing himself with Park's qualities because he for some reason felt some sort of fascination with him because here's Park, a detective. What does he do? Round up the bugs of his community and holds them in a jar and he's the one who decides their fate. And then all of a sudden, like, you just see, like, his little mannerisms. Like, he's like, hey, like, stop doing that. And then the kid, like, automatically like, repeats it. Like, you could tell that this person, or this little kid, is going to grow up to be somewhat similar to Park. 
and he's going to go through a lot of the same life lessons that Park did. Like, towards the ending of the movie, I found it was so... I loved his, the way that his his life panned out in the end in the movie. Where... Because his wife could have easily been a murder victim mm -hmm. had the other student not been there, like when they were crossing paths at night. And the fact that she was, like, going to, like, make a house call to, like... Because I think she was a nurse. Um... Yeah, she was, like, just going going about her life. And I think that she has, like, a bit of red, but then she, like, she like takes it off beforehand to, to, like, make sure that she's, like, not a target. And she's, like, helping him. She's helping Park so much throughout the movie. Like, I remember she even, like, calls him one time, like, while he's at work, to, just so that way they could, like, spend time with each other. And she's like, look, you, you should really try and find something different because... This this is not good for you. And you could tell that it's clearly weighing on Park. Even like after um Quang Quang so uh gets hit by the train and he has blood all over his clothes. Like his wife is the one cleaning his clothes for him. And then like to see the ending where they're all where they have like a a sizable family. Like I think they have like two kids and Park's like going on about like his son, he's like, Hey well, like, he's doing the shaman ice thing, yeah. like, still, to his son. Mm -hmm. Like, it's just purely bluffing. He's like, your eyes are bloodshot. You were up all night playing video games, weren't you? <laughs> he's like, why don't you go outside, like, get some exercise. And, like, you could tell that he clearly, like, loves the way his life is compared to what it was back then. Because, like, it's so sunny. It's so, like, that's the perfect word to describe yeah. it, Tyler. It's so warm. And, like, even though he's, like, I think he's, like, is he a computer salesman? No, not a computer No, a juice salesman. Juicer or something? Yeah. yeah. He's, like, selling, like... I think they're, like... They aren't even, like, official juicers or anything. Because... Oh, yeah, that's another funny parallel. Like, when he decides to be nice to Quang So, because of, like, how smelly his shoes were, he, like, buys a fake pair of Nikes. Yeah, they're nice. <laughs> These are nice, not yeah. Nikes. <laughs> like, you could tell that, like, he has a good heart. And... Like, just to see that, that moment of, like, where he finally has that bit of clarity on the end. He's like, okay, I have to give up this amount of control that I always felt that I had. Like, you could tell that he's clearly grown as a person. jumped around in the spoiler section mm -hmm. it's a bit due to me i'm sorry for jumping right to the end <laughs> hey i think that this movie calls for that everyone should watch this this is yeah yeah i suggest for anybody to watch it abby didn't want to watch it because she was like oh i don't want to watch a movie about like a serial killer rape i'm like it's uh, bong joon ho we don't know what it's about <laughs> i'm like i don't know <laughs> I guess I guess that is different because like I guess if you consider four guys doing a podcast and then if you were to ask like a woman to watch it, especially when all the victims were women, young women, and they're getting raped and killed, I, I could understand that aspect too. Like mm -hmm. that's kinda of souring me. If 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 I watched a movie where all the all the victims were like um Asian American Vietnamese men in their late twenties. Really specific. You should tell me something. <laughs> yeah, I like to wear red too. <laughs> Dang. But I mean, yeah, the uh, the acts in the film were terrible, and I'm glad that Bong Joon Ho did choose to make a film about it to enlighten us with some of the themes that he does want to talk about that are happening in Korea. That is universal. You know, to just about anywhere, really. Um, I like that about his films. I think that's why his films are so great, that they can speak to anyone. 
whether a parasite was meant to be just for the Korean culture or for America. Like he, it was just the kind of film that he wanted to make for yeah. himself. And you could tell that he's doing it as like an act to elevate the greater whole and to like draw attention to things. Cause I, I know that that was like the, one of the primary reasons why he chose this story to make a movie about was because the killer at the time, the killer was still at large. And it was about to reach the statute of limitations, I think, in a few years. And he wanted to try and, you know, give more attention to the case. That way police force can actually, you know, make some headway with it. So you could tell that there was something, he was doing it for a greater reason other than himself. And you can, I mean, I, I at least, like, saw that as out like, even just in the tone, like, you could tell that, there's just this small group of people who are like on the outskirts that nobody's really paying attention to. And just this really terrible series of events are just ongoing and nobody can do anything to stop it. Yeah, I think Bong Joon-ho is a very important filmmaker of today's time. And I'm excited, I'm so excited to see what else he does. Like I feel like he's just hitting his stride. Yeah, and that being said, um, do we have any closing thoughts before we end our review? Watch this movie. Yes, <laughs> yes 100%. Definitely a must-see film, especially for people that want to become filmmakers. He's definitely one of those filmmakers. You have to watch his films because you can clearly tell he's influenced by other filmmakers as well. Um, yeah, this is such a great blend of genres, and it's kind of a rare feat for a director to do. And the fact that it's an international film and it could still be um, commercial is, yeah, I think that's a great talent to have. All right, so, and that's our closing thoughts. Um, we'll see you next time. And I think next pick will be Patrick. Mm -hmm. And would you like to tell us what the next film will be? Uh, probably Dogville. Ooh. I've been meaning to watch that. I haven't seen it yet. I have not seen a single movie by Lars von Trier. Same here. Uh, really, but but I'm sure we all know a lot about his movies. Yes. <laughs> I had I had a friend from a, a friend of my brother's from high school. When he found out I got a degree in film, he like did a flick. So oh yeah, I love you know Lars von Trier this, Lars von Trier that. <laughs> I've heard the name. <laughs> yes. I haven't seen any of his films. That's why I looked up Dogville. I've seen I love um, the trailer. Melancholia from him. I've, I'm aware of that um, one too. That is a visual treat, although it's not the most uplifting film. But yeah, stay tuned for next week. We're, I haven't seen Dogville, so I'm excited to see that one. So yeah. The concept alone. Yeah. I'm in. <laughs> nice. Alright, see you next time.